0: Episode forty eight, and I was proud to welcome my cousin Anne Frankel, and I'm uh, just loving the podcast because I get to continue to talk to people from all walks of life, and they're all badasses in their own right, and they're all doing cool shit, and they're all making a difference in the in the world. And uh, Anne is is the same uh, defense attorney; she's defending hospitals and insurance companies from medical malpractice claims she's an admirable person I really enjoyed speaking with her and, and hearing about her family life the work-life juggle as she calls it and the challenges that come with the challenges that come with being just a, a female in, in a law firm being a mother in a law firm having kids a husband that's working how do you feel when you're feeling low and weak and downing yourself how do you come out of it how do you stay strong how do you keep your kids happy while keeping your husband happy while trying to keep your clients always at the forefront. An amazing, insightful episode, one you surely won't want to miss. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only Anne Frankel.
1: The Optimal Life. That you got to do to make a name for yourself. I mean, in Philadelphia, there's two big names Ross Feller Casey Klein, and Klein Inspector. And I can't imagine that they only got the meritorious cases to start out with. Um, you got to take everything that walks through the door. And given that my dad is a doctor, it's not really an option for me if I want to have a seat at the dinner table.
0: Did you ever want to wa- get into that side of it? You know, when I you did. saw your friends winning multi million dollar cases and
1: I I just don't, I don't feel it. I don't, I just, I really like representing hospitals and doctors. I feel very personally connected to them because of my dad Mm -hmm. and my mom. And, um, I love the medicine of it. And I just, personal injury is medical malpractice for personal injury is very, very niche practice. Right. Right.
0: So. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. I thought, I, I, I think that if I were to do it, I would probably want to be on that side. Like the I'm not med, med the med mail side, all. yeah, because you know the <laughs> high risk, high reward kind of. You, you bet on yourself. You, you bet on the situation. And listen, a lot of those people are obviously. Uh, there's probably ethical people. There's a uh, what do they call them? Ambulance chasers.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've got so, that. A, you've got that level of it. I think everyone starts out there
0: because mm-hmm.
1: you got to take everything that walks through the door in order to make a name for yourself.
0: But those guys aren't making any money. I mean, at the the beginning, they're not making anything until they win a case, right? It's all contingency.
1: It's all contingency. I mean, there's different structures that you can put in place depending on the type of case that you get in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, But we see a lot of people that are like mills. They bring in stuff and they settle fast, very little work for like defense costs. Uh Uh, We have some people that have those cases. And then you have the bigger firms that, you know, it could be a, a bed sore, and it's multi-million dollars. There's a life care plan, something like that. So it all depends on how they want to work up the case, if they want to include punitive damages, if they want to include corporate negligence. How, how big can punitive damages get? Well, it's punitive. So it's whatever, based on the wealth of the party that is going to be assessed, the punitive damages, what would hurt them the most? What would hurt them enough to make a difference going and forward? And punitive
0: damages is when somebody's been so egregious, like yeah, where they've so, done and, something...
1: So, I don't know the case law in Ohio, but in Pennsylvania, it's reckless indifference. Okay. So, you're really acting beyond the scope of just normal negligence. Right.
0: Like, where you just, in layman's terms, for 99% of people that don't practice, you just don't give a shit. Or at least that's the way you perceive to be during that I particular mean, as, instance. As that, a defense right. attorney,
1: I think it's a lower bar than that, is what is alleged. <laughs> I mean, it's not, don't give a shit in no, the pleadings, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a... Um, Absence of normal care that Mm -hmm. should be taken in those situations. So it varies. I mean, from a plaintiff's attorney's perspective, it's whatever you can prove, right?
0: Right. And do they always typically go for punitives?
1: I'm seeing it in a lot more of my hospital-based cases because it increases the value for settlement purposes and can drive something. Why would somebody not
0: want to go for punitive?
1: You know, Generally. you, you got to hope that there's enough. So you, you assert a punitive damages claim before you even have any evidence mm-hmm. in the case because it's pre, pre-discovery. Mm-hmm. And you hope that you can get enough during the discovery phase to assert punitive damages, right? Mm-hmm. To prove that claim, to prove that reckless indifference. That's a lot of work because it's a high threshold. So it just depends. I see a lot of people throwing it into co- complaints and seeing if they can get it through the discovery motion for summary judgment phase.
0: So you've been doing this for six years. I've been doing this for 10 years. 10, but this particular co- uh, firm for six.
1: Yeah, so I started this firm six years and ago. And you started
0: in something completely different, right?
1: So I started, uh, well, when I graduated from law school, I did a clerkship for a year in Jersey. And then um, it was the beginning of the recession when I graduated. So jobs were hard to come by. Did the clerkship. Can you
0: believe it's been 10 years real quick? No. It's crazy, right? No. I mean, it's crazy. Almost-
1: we're looking 10 at years like, ago. approaching our 20-year yeah. high school graduation. Yeah. So that's...
0: It's so scary. It just
1: makes me it, feel
0: old. It, it, it flies by. It just flies by. I used to hear from people all the time, hey, enjoy it while you're young. Enjoy it while, And I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, well, I'm
1: like, am I still young? I, yeah. I think I'm still I young. Feel, I feel
0: like I'm in my mid-20s. It's a still. mindset. I, I really... I don't feel like I'm in my... Upper thirties, mid to upper thirties at this point. Despite the uh, three kids,
1: <laughs> it depends on the day. But yeah,
0: you get me out. Give me a give me a glass of wine and get me out among some people and and, and some music and some energy. I feel like I'm like I don't know. And they're probably like, who's that old man walking but the around? Next over morning, there? The next morning. The
1: next morning. All like, these young kids. That, it takes a at bit the local Restaurants.
0: Oh, that's that's, that's a whole, whole different story. That's a whole different podcast. I don't even drink liquor anymore. Really? I don't drink liquor anymore. I stopped drinking liquor June tenth. Of 2017, then and I have not had a sip ever it's just since. Wine, it's just wine and beer, and yeah. it's such a different uh, experience for me. Really? Yeah, it was just it was just get getting to me too much, and um, I wasn't reacting the same way. I wasn't responding Everybody's the same different. way. Sometimes it would shut me down. Sometimes, really? and, and I, it was just always. It's not regulated, you know. Like if I have a 12 ounce beer, I know what I'm getting.
1: Oh, you know I what see I'm what saying? you're saying. Yeah. If I
0: go out and have a martini or if I go out and order a vodka and tonic or vodka soda, I really don't know what I'm getting. Because one person's vodka uh, soda could be different. equal to somebody else's three yeah. vodka sodas yeah. in one glass. Yeah. And it would just kind of sneak up on me and I would be like, my next day would be kind of shot. I've got kids to take care of, responsibilities, a wife. And uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't jiving. So I woke up one day, it was June 10th. Like, that's it. I, I remember I was at this concert in, at Blossom. There's this uh, outdoor uh, okay. concert, you know, outside concert place here in Cleveland. And we were partying all night with some friends. Went to this concert. Up on this hill, beautiful night. Thousands of people. And I was drinking vodka all night with everybody, right. but, but I was going, it Especially was one of vodka. those nights. It was one of those nights. Scary, yeah. I'm, it's flowing. It was one of those nights. We're pre-gaming. We're listening to country music. You think you're 21 We're, again? Yeah, like I'm, there, there I go. <laughs> 20, like, I feel like I'm in my 20s. And long story short, I remember being up, standing on this hill and all of a sudden, you know, like when it hits you,
1: and it hit, like yeah. when
0: it hits you, like it's a baseball like- bat. Yeah. And I didn't realize, like, and then all of a sudden I'm standing there and there's all these people around. There's these young guys acting goofy. They're being wild. And I remember thinking to myself, if one of these guys just hutches my shoulder, like, like, pokes me,
1: you're
0: done. I'm done. I go tumbling <laughs> down the hill, like, ro- <laughs> roly poly down the hill. And uh, so that, that I remember then, and then I couldn't, like, I just felt like crap and I was, I was probably didn't even make, I re- couldn't even enjoy the concert. Literally no, could you, not even enjoy the concert. Yeah,
1: no, you get past that Had to go sit point.
0: down on a bench, just completely gone. And uh, I remember waking up the next morning and just saying, "I have to make a change." This wasn't the first time, you know, right. and, and it didn't happen a lot, but if it if there was a slight chance that it could happen,
1: right now you know
0: it was always going. And don't like literally that 14 months later, I mean, it's never even been an issue since. So I stick it's to the beer and you wine. You know, I I there's nothing I'd love more than a Dirty martini. Oh, I love a dirty uh, martini. Little pinch of dirt, some regular olives, or a nice glass of whiskey or cognac. But it doesn't agree with you. It doesn't agree with me. I had to just make the accept it and just say, "Hey, it doesn't agree with me." Now I actually thought about just stopping drinking altogether,
1: but um,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to test myself to see how I would do because I I, I knew I never had problem with beer and wine, right? So I just said, I think that there's a a social aspect to drinking still.
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: Like, you know, when you go out and take a client out. Yeah. Or you're meeting with whoever in a business setting, there's still something nice if you're in a group of people and everyone's having a drink. Just like a a cocktail or a beer or wine. Yeah.
1: I I really just try to have that one glass when I'm out in a client situation Mm -hmm. um, because I'm a talker. So, that can, be, no, that can become an issue. I have a lot of colleagues that do not drink at all. Yeah? Yeah. And it, they've, they've adapted it to their lifestyle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it works for them. I don't know how they unwind at the end of the night.
0: They don't drink because of various I reasons? I don't
1: know. I don't know if it's just... You don't just, ask, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's always sensitive. So,
0: you go out, you guys are out amongst a group uh, for a happy hour, clients, dinner. Not drinking. And they'll just say, no, thanks, give no, me a glass you. of... Uh, seltzer or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Iced tea—that's yeah. always a popular. One. I think
1: in our profession, iced tea, right? right? <laughs> yes, seltzer. Yeah. Keep um, going. I think in our in our profession, it's very easy to um, drink It's oh, a yeah. way to like manage the stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta and, be careful. With that. And I think I think a lot of attorneys need to be really mindful of that because mm-hmm. you're up late, you're working. You know, it helps you sleep. Don't they
0: have substance abuse programs? too for. Like uh, CLE training stuff like that. I
1: in Pennsylvania they take it very seriously, mm-hmm. and I know that they do have like an impaired. Well, they have impaired physician programs, which I know because of my work. But they also have like for attorney practice. It's something that they very much advertise as There's as an assistance program mm-hmm. um, if you find that you're using substances to cope with the stress of the practice. Well, think about what you guys are under. I mean, you, true, you I got... prefer not to. <laughs> There you go. Get get, get the wine out, honey. I'm home. I prefer not to. I'm home.
0: Uh, You guys have so much on your plate Mm -hmm. at every given moment of every single day. You don't have just one or two clients.
1: No. No, I've got like a 45 case load right now. 45 cases. 45 cases. So
0: at least 45 people, if not more.
1: I mean, a lot of them are overlap. It's the same client. Like, it's the same insurance company, but- it's forty-five different cases. Like what's what's the majority of your
0: cases? Like, what what are you what are you defending? So
1: I have a lot of, I have a lot of medical malpractice cases that involve. Um, I don't handle the most high exposure stuff. So in that case, we're talking about catastrophic birth injuries. I don't do that in our practice group. What I do are more of um, surgical errors, which can be huge. So in an abdominal, like an anastomosis case, where the when the bowel is put back together, it doesn't. Uh, adhere properly, and there's a leakage of bowel into the stomach. Oh so those God. those can be pretty high exposure cases. I have a lot of stroke cases. Are you,
0: who's Who are you defending? You're defending the doctor? The hospital. The hospital. And, and a lot of times it's the insurance companies that's
1: so our So client, our client's self-insured. Our hospital client's self-insured. So um, we defend their self-insurance. Mm-hmm. But it's high exposure. I mean, you could be talking about, depending on the injuries, depending on their... On their um, earning capacity, their life expectancy, you could be talking about $78 million. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and you've got nurses you have to manage if you're representing the hospital. So, it's a lot. It's a lot of people to keep track of. It's a lot of, and they're coming after you for punitives. They're coming after you for corporate negligence. So, the discovery can be very intense.
0: So, what's a typical, how do you handle a typical case if there's such a thing?
1: So, what I like to do is I like to meet with all the people involved early. So, review the medical records, figure out who's involved, who, who I'm responsible for, and that would be determined by insurance. Mm-hmm. So, if they're under our insurance policy, I would meet with them. I like to figure out if there's any exposure in that particular person. Are they going to present well for a deposition or not? Right. If they're not going to present well for a deposition, I have to plan accordingly, whether, whether it be multiple deposition preparation meetings or maybe a witness consultant, depending on the spectrum of their inability to be prepared for a deposition and testify appropriately. I get experts in line from a negligence and a causation perspective, and I work with them to develop our case. So it's a lot of conference calls. Can
0: can you say that again in English? So Uh.
1: (laughs) I get our experts. So if it's a stroke case, for example, I would get a neurologist. I'd get a neuroradiologist. Um, I'd maybe get a PCP, a, a primary care physician, internal medicine physician, to yeah. testify to life expectancy. You're always looking to cap damages, so.
0: You do, how many cases have you actually gone to trial?
1: So our cases do not normally try. Right. Um, so I have taken, personally as a second chair, four cases to trial, and that's fairly high in the six years I've been with this firm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and when you say second chair. Meaning, like the the supporting attorney on the case. Yeah.
1: So, and a lot of a lot of people call it bag carrier.
0: Bag carrier. Right?
1: You're doing a lot more than carrying a bag. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious.
0: It's um, so, like the Christopher Darden. Remember Marsha, uh, the the OJ trial. Yeah. There was always like there was like. Uh, Johnny Cochran, and then right. there was the other guys. Right. Or, or Robert Shapiro and the other guys. Right. Or Marsha, what was her, Marsha Clark? Yes. And then there was Chris Darden, the second chair. Right, so everyone's yeah.
1: like, oh, you know, she's carrying yeah. the bags. Yeah. <laughs> she's actually doing the heavy lifting, in my opinion. But, yeah. um, you know, the way that the supervising partner and I work together is I do a lot of the preparations for the trial. Mm-hmm. I do all the discovery, written, oral. So that's written interrogatories, requests for production of documents, depositions. Mm-hmm. Get all the experts lined up. And then you hand over the case, you hand over, a, like, your baby to the supervising partner to try it, and you have to educate him on what the case is about, right? He's a, generally aware of it, but how the defenses fit together. Right. And you you sit there while he puts on the case and you hand them.
0: And that's just because of that person's in that seat because of their years of experience? Or how does that work? You know,
1: the way that I, so I work for a partner in Philadelphia by the name of Stuart O'Neill. And he just plays so well in front of a jury. Mm -hmm. And I don't have an ego about it. I'm very happy to write up the crosses, write up the directs. He just plays so well. He connects with a jury so well. And it's about understanding that, you know, he's the person. Yeah. He's the guy to do that. I'm yeah, it's about fi-
0: understanding your strengths, right? Yeah, knowing where you're, how to leverage the strengths. Yeah, I
1: mean, I get, I would get um, tied up easier than he does, mm-hmm. and so it allows us when we when we try a case together, it allows him to focus on the witness that's on the stand, and I'm preparing for the next witness. That's gotta witness.
0: be so riveting.
1: I love that it. That whole thing's gotta be love so it.
0: riveting. Uh, I love it. It's gotta be awesome. Yeah.
1: It's an adrenaline rush. It
0: has to be. You don't know
1: what's going to happen. I've been a
0: witness in a trial recently. Really? Last year. And I took the witness stand and I went to bed. I, I could not go to bed that night. I was so Your juiced up. Your mind's racing. Juiced up. Uh, and this guy was trying to cross-examine me about something. I won't get into the details, but th- this other attorney was trying to cross me and I just slammed. I mean, I crushed him. I crushed him. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he want, he wanted to go crawl underneath the table
1: so attorneys either make the Fantastic. best witnesses or the absolute worst witnesses right
0: yeah that's true yeah it's true and i would, and i knew the questions were coming i just knew what he was going well, to try had prepared yeah i was prepared there's only a limited i was in a very narrow subset i mean he could have only gone so far like one way or the other like you knew what i was knew what, coming. what was coming
1: right and if you can anticipate that question and fit it I into it your ready. story i had it already
0: right? and he and he Softball right over the middle of the plate. I treated it. was like Sammy Sosa up there. It was just unbelievable. Sammy
1: Sosa? It was, <laughs> it was just
0: Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. Remember that era, the golden era in baseball?
1: No, I wasn't a baseball oh fan. God. You guys were a baseball fan. That
0: era in baseball with Sosa McGuire and Barry Bonds was the greatest time in baseball in my lifetime ever. Yeah, you guys They were, were all juiced up on roids. And they were... Would... <laughs> They would just go to the plate and every 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 like other app ep- every game these guys were hitting home runs. You'd be like, "What?" Every freaking game. Every game. It was insane. I mean, they would be like 1 for 4 with a home run, 1 for 5 with a home run.
1: That was like you on the stand.
0: Yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> right over the middle of the plate. Oh my god. But uh yeah, that to me that would be such an adrenaline rush. I mean, I know you've only done it a few times over the years, but... Yeah, but I
1: mean, like a deposition is like a mini trial. Yeah, no, it takes a long time to get there. These cases can sit for three, four years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's really the culmination of all your efforts.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Do you like what you're doing? I love it. Do you like this? You love it. I love it. Yeah.
1: I I enjoy I mean, you know, I've got two kids. I look forward to Fridays to be home with them, but I look forward to Mondays to go to work. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: So you just get up Monday and you're ready to rock and roll. I'm ready
1: to drop them off at school. What do you do on Monday when
0: you get in there? Like are you taking calls with clients? Or are you going through Legal documents. What is it like?
1: So it's usually like my staff would probably tell you I'm just usually yelling at people. Like this Drink is what's coffee. gotta. Just <laughs> this is what's gotta people. get done in this
0: week. So <laughs> like I was thinking about this all weekend. <laughs> That's probably your first line every Monday. No, every just thinking about this all weekend.
1: Every Monday they're like, Oh, you were emailing last night. Like I'm, uh, a, I'm a big emailer. Uh, Sunday night from yeah, ten the to Sunday, midnight. The Sunday I'm like night a emails. Big brain. People dump. are like
0: people are like depressed as it is that they have to get back to work on Monday. And oh, here comes Anne. Here she is. Well, yeah. No, it's like
1: you know the saying like. Uh, the, the devil, when you wake up in the morning, should hear your feet hit the floor and say, oh, shit, she's up. <laughs> you know? Exactly that's what I try that's to live a, by that. Yeah, I, I try to come in hot. Strong. Um, I, I am very organized. I've got a to-do list. I've got cases that I manage. And it's like, let's get shit done. Mm-hmm. Hit and move. I, because Because of the kids, I only have nine to five in the office every day. Oh, interesting. So it's like a lot of lawyers will work, you know, 8 to 6 or 8 to 8 or whatever. I don't have that flexibility in my day. So it's when I roll in at 9, thirty, ten, 10, depending on the day and the night before, it's, you know, we got to hit and move. What's getting filed today? What's getting couriered today? Who's drafting this? Who's drafting that? It's more of a project management position mm-hmm. than an actual um, legal Analysis. Thing, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. litigation now is a project management aspiration. So it's who's doing what and when are you getting it out the door and strategically when are you preparing those things for filing and how, how are you doing? How, like, how does this fit into trial? Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Who are, the, who are you dealing with? These are like uh, paralegals? So
1: my team consists right now of um, two, two women and one male. And one of the women is currently on maternity leave. And then I have a variety. I have three paralegals I work with. And then I have an illegal ass- assistant. So,
0: wow, you're a powerful person. Oh, well,
1: I guess so. <laughs> I bring them bagels occasionally. And you have a
0: hundred plus attorneys at this firm, approximately.
1: Yeah, approximately. Yeah. I haven't done the final count, but we're we're spread out amongst offices in Pennsylvania. We've got two off three offices in Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey, West Virginia, Delaware. And we just opened up a Cleveland office. That's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. It's really stuff. amazing. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. What do you want to do? Where is this going? Are you going to continue to climb within the firm? Or? That's my hope. Yeah. That's
1: my hope. So I'm working on a couple a couple initiatives in the firm relating to the women's group, and you know how are we assessing female attorneys? We don't have many female equity attorneys right now, so that's on meaning my like
0: females that are actual partners within the firm,
1: equity level. So we have a variety of equity. Lo- we have a variety of partner levels at the firm. Okay, A, B, and C. Uh-huh. A is equity. C oh, is entry, B is middle. So I'm presently a C level partner, um, and my goal would be to become an A level partner. Now, when
0: equity means like actual ownership stake in the firm,
1: that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah.
0: And what's B? What's middle?
1: You get different perks. It's like the middle. It's your next step. Oh, so there okay. are different perks associated with that, um, you know, title. Is always yeah, a thing. Yeah, no,
0: that's fantastic. You know, um, is there one managing partner obviously for the whole firm?
1: No. Well, there is one managing partner for the whole firm, but it really goes by office. So, like the Philadelphia office operates somewhat autonomously, and the groups. I mean, our group, which we call the O'Neill team, off operates somewhat autonomously. We're mm-hmm. very trial heavy, very litigation focused. So wow. we're required to kind of work within our our wow. people.
0: So you mentioned that you have two kids. What was that whole process like as you were pregnant? Going <laughs> trying to to manage the the hormones of being pregnant and all the challenges that come with?
1: Well, just so you know, it's not the hormones of just being pregnant.
0: It's not. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's don't,
1: hormones <laughs> after you're pregnant and those like too, if you're right? nursing, like, there's those. Oh, those too. So, yeah. um
0: what was that like for you?
1: So it go- it goes back to when I, st- I so I started out at a very small pra- practice right after my clerkship. And it was a different firm and it was not family friendly. And there were a couple incidents that, you know, we my husband and I were like, aye, aye, can we even have a kid while you're practicing at this firm? Like, are you going to be getting a call while your feet are in the stirrups? Like, what's Rough. that expert deadline? You know, that kind of thing. So I left that firm and I started at my new firm, uh, I guess it was a month before I got married. And I was very clear with them. Like, this, these are my expectations. This is what I want. And that was before I even had kids. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for about two years before we got pregnant. And I got pregnant with my son. And um, we had a trial when I was six months pregnant. And it was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. And I was like, you know, I really want to do this. I really, I really want to be a litigation attorney. I really want to try cases. Was
0: that your first one?
1: That was the first one I actually attended and right. participated in. And... Um, I felt like I had, I like, you know, wanted to tell my son that I was pregnant with him when I second chaired my first case. And, um, and then afterwards when he was born, I was like, I don't know, do I, do I really want to be a litigation attorney? Can I balance being a litigation attorney and a mom the way that I wanted to be a mom? And I entertained an offer from a client to go in house. And I, I spoke to my husband about it and my husband was like, "I, I just, you never really mentioned to me that you wanted to be in house ever. Mm-hmm.
0: Like a general counsel?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you're doing this for the right reasons? And then I talked to my parents and my dad was like, Annie, you, you never mentioned us. that like You wanted to be general counsel. All you ever said is you want to try cases. So I declined the position and um, just kind of muscled through it. And then I got pregnant with my daughter. And uh, we were about to start a case when I, I was 12 weeks pregnant. We were going to go to trial on a case. And I was really close with my supervising partner, Stuart. And I said, I got I got to tell him that I'm like, I'm like just pregnant. So I said, I want you to know that I'm pregnant and that the, the case is going to be okay. Like, I'm still going <laughs> to second share the case with you. It's going to be okay. Right. And I did it. And it was another great experience. And that was your second one. Our second case, so your yeah.
0: second, but no, your second case, too. Second, yeah, so like I've been pregnant, pregnant for all, like almost all my <laughs> trials, hilarious.
1: so it was a great experience. I was really like exhausted at the end of the day, but uh, I felt so energized, alive, alive. Yeah. yeah. And then the day that we found out that my daughter that we were having a girl, I found out I was going to be named partner, and really, it, yeah. So that same day, and I was just like, coincidentally, coincidentally. Well, wow. let me back up, I told my supervising partner I was pregnant. The same day they had the meeting to nominate partners, not realizing that, like, probably not the best strategic planning on my part. Mm-hmm. You know, you're pregnant and it's a partner meeting. Right. And um, I was named partner. He called me that night and said, I just want to let you know that you were named partner.
0: What was that like?
1: Oh, God. It was like, you know, you give up everything. You know, my kids are in daycare all day. Um, you know, you've got law school debt. You make so many sacrifices. It affects your marriage. It affects your family life. And it feels, from at least my perspective, somewhat selfish. Like these are the dreams that I wanted, and I'm going to go forward with them. And then when you make partner, it's like oh, it was it all worth made, it. It's
0: like this is what I've been doing this. Yeah, for. Yeah, this
1: is what I've been doing this I've been for. Grinding
0: my grinding away.
1: Yeah, and my husband, Working my like Dave, loved it. Dave was like, "My wife's a partner." Yeah. You know, it's it's an acknowledgement of all the work that you've done, all the dedication, the sacrifices. So it was it was huge for me, huge. Oh, my
0: gosh. And you're like, I want to go celebrate, but, oh, yeah, I can't. But I, I'm so I can't drink all the this- shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pregnant. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. That is incredible. So how long did you practice when you were pregnant? How long did you take it till like 30? Like <laughs> knowing you, you probably took it to like 39 and a half weeks. So there's
1: a funny story about this. So with my son, I stopped working with my son three days before my C-section. I had a scheduled C-section because he was breech. And I took like two days off. And you know, got my nails done, got ready, had had the baby. Yeah. With Logan, I was like, "This is the second time around." You're like, oh, piece of cake. I'm gonna go to the day before my C-section. So with her, I worked until the day before my C-section. Um, Come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess 39 and a half weeks wasn't enough. <laughs>
1: But the funny thirty
0: nine weeks and six days or whatever. I'm like
1: I gotta. I'm gonna leave early today, guys. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Having a baby tomorrow. But with uh, with Logan at thirty six weeks, I was just done. You know that? Like you know it from from Yana. Like you're just done. And so I called my husband one day. I called Dave. I go, I just want to let you know I think I'm done. And he goes, You think you're done? I said, Yeah. I'm just. I can't even get my shoes on. Like I just can't even sit here. I'm so sick of myself. I'm done. And he goes, Well. I just have one thing to say to you. I didn't marry a quitter. Damn. David. Right? David. So I like wanted to hang up the phone, drive to his office, strangle <laughs> him. Right. But I hung Deep up. The...
0: Frankel throwing <laughs> that heat. Holy <laughs> shit. I hung
1: up the phone and I was like,
0: fuck. He's right. <laughs> He's
1: right. <laughs> and I worked another three weeks.
0: Oh my god. So <laughs> He knows how to push those buttons.
1: Oh, he does. And know how you, know how push those you know what you know what I love buttons.
0: about Dave? He doesn't have to say a whole lot, and he doesn't have to get excited, but he knows exactly what to say, you know.
1: Oh, he, he knows, knows how exactly to get those digs in, plan. right? Yeah,
0: he's just cool. He's going to assess the situation. He'll let you go on your little tantrum. Yes. Yeah. And then when it, there's a pause, and he'll say, I didn't marry a quitter.
1: Right. <laughs> That's it. And he knew exactly what he was doing, too, because I said to him that night, I go, I just want you to know that I almost killed you today after that. <laughs> And then he looks at me and goes, How many hours did you bill after our phone call? And I
0: was like, Shit. And you're like, God damn it, he got me again? Yeah, he got
1: me again. He got me again. David!
0: Again. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, that is amazing. Is, do you find it hard? Do you find it more challenging to be a, a woman, a parent in this profession? Yeah. It is.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in litigation, particularly, you don't find many. Full time, but what what, what makes it
0: what makes it harder? Is is it a lack of uh, you have to like earn your stripes kind of thing? Or I think
1: it's some of that. I think you can't show weakness because they always wonder, you know, is that going to be how they behave on on trial? Mm -hmm. You know, in front of a client, you can't show weakness. There's a lot of travel involved with the litigation practice. You're know, you prepping expert witnesses all over the country. You've got witnesses that leave after their employment, so you have to travel for that. Right. So it's not conducive to really home life. And also, it's just a lot of work. I mean, it's like 10, 11, 12-hour days, sometimes 14-hour days. I mean, that's not conducive.
0: So when you get home after like a 12-hour day,
1: so I don't get home after a twelve hour day. That's right. It, I like to take f- a break. To f-
0: so if, when you get home, though, even after like an eight hour day, what's it like at home? What's home life like when you get back? So like,
1: there's some yelling. <laughs> as I told you about earlier. You got you got two kids. No, and it's a, husband, it's like a race. It's, it a race. it's a yeah. race. It's you know, you pick up the kids, you get them home, you feed them dinner, you play with them for like a quality thirty to forty five minutes, you bathe them, you put them to bed, you hope they sleep, and then you log back on.
0: What time do your kids go to
1: bed? Eight, between 8 and 8 30. That's not bad. So then Dave and I eat dinner. Yeah.
0: Because like I you, said. You legitimately don't eat dinner till like nine o'clock.
1: Yeah. The only time Dave and I have together wow. is that hour of making dinner and eating dinner. So that's like our time. Mm-hmm. And then you know you clear the plate and I log back in. Clean up email. Figure out what I'm doing for the next day. So there could be two to three hours of work after dinner. So.
0: Really? Oh yeah. Almost every day.
1: Almost every day. Wow. That's when I get some of my best stuff done.
0: Damn, girl. Yeah. That is insane. That is insane.
1: I like it it's quiet, you know. And people uh, don't
0: realize the sacrifice that people like you or other people that are working especially in the service industry and you have all these real people's lives on the line
1: no people are people are up in the middle of the night wondering about their cases yeah and i always say you to wake them, up
0: and like take notes on it, on different things you know
1: i'm not i when i go to sleep i'm asleep yeah right and, and like unless there's a kid waking up in the middle of the night i you don't you never like
0: wake up cuz my the guy Joe Triscaro, who came on and said there's times he wakes up in the middle of the night and he'll just start jotting stuff yeah, down not, on his phone. Once order. I'm
1: down, I'm down. Yeah. It's like that's like face smart. I
0: think it's it's healthy that way.
1: Well, I, I, it's just I sleep through the night. Like once You're I go to so sleep, tired. I sleep. That's it. Yeah. That's just how I am. I mean, I do a major brain dump before I go to sleep. So like when I'm shutting it down for the night, there's notes about the next morning. And so it's I, I use it as a brain dump. Mm-hmm. Anything that's on my mind goes down on paper. And then I shut it down. I have a glass of wine and I go to bed.
0: Yeah. You need that glass of wine.
1: I definitely don't. Need you it. wonder
0: back to what you said before. You kind of don't you wonder how these people unwind? I mean, alcohol is okay if you use it in the right way and, and don't abuse it.
1: For me, it's like a hard stop. Yeah. So like I have my glass of wine, watch a little bit of TV, or you know, go through uh, Amazon, order whatever, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> exactly. whatever pops up on my feed, if you know, Facebook, Instagram, and then I go to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll sleep through the night. I don't wake up in jet notes typically. Right. I mean, that's, that's a nice way to do things. Yeah, but it's just well, it, never.
0: What a busy day you have every single day. is just yeah.
1: crazy. It's constant.
0: But you don't. If you if you were not doing this after all these years, like if tomorrow somebody came to you and said, "You're done. You like have you to don't just, have to work anymore. You right? don't have to work anymore. And good luck. Your kids are going off to school. I, I think you would probably drive yourself crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like well, with with Sebastian. After Sebastian was born, it was like, "Do I go back to work full time?" That kind of thing. And Dave was like, "You're going back to work full time, mm-hmm. right? We need you to go back to work full time." After Logan, Dave said, "Let me tell you something. If you were to stay at home, I'd come home, and you one day you'd be like, I chopped down a tree in the backyard, and the next day you'd be like, I whittled it into a dining room table. Like, <laughs> it's right. just I'm so high. I mean, you know my mom. Yeah. It's the same. We're cut from the same mold. It's so right. high productivity mm-hmm. that I don't think." I don't think being home with two kids would be enough for me. Right. Because I need to check something off my list.
0: Yeah. With yeah. kids,
1: the laundry's never done. The dishes are never clean. The house is never clean. There's always another diaper that needs to get changed.
0: It's never... It's never... Uh, it's a non, non-stop cycle.
1: Non-stop cycle. I, I look at cycle. Yana
0: and I say... I mean, it's crazy what she's done. She's On go, the flip go, side, go, It's, it's non-stop. It's, like it's, you said, it's like a rabbit hole. Like, yeah. that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Like, in a profession... In a career, we're doing the same stuff you and I. We're checking things off boxes. We're getting stuff off our plate. Yeah, there's going to be it's going to recycle. There's going to be the next thing and the next thing. But there's there's a start and a finish. Yeah. And, and being a stay at home parent, it's no finish. No, it's that it's that hamster on the hamster wheel, and it never stops.
1: Well, and it's and it's a thankless job. Like,
0: it's so hard. To, like
1: negotiating with it's a three-year-old so hard. is harder than negotiating with a plaintiff's attorney.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. a plaintiff's attorney yeah. at least have some, has some goals There's in some mind. There's some reason there behind behind Right. Them. Yeah. A three-year-old's just looking it's to ruin same your kind day. of
0: thing. Like, I always say like the worst person to play poker with is someone who doesn't really know how to play poker. Right. You'd rather play against a guy who's fucking awesome at right. poker because at least that person is going to make rational decisions. Right. You're right? I mean – I mean
1: that's why I like going to work because yeah. you deal with adults, right? Mm-hmm. You can Be have like, a hot cup of coffee. Yeah. If you want to eat, you go eat. Yeah, and it you gives know. you
0: it gives you that it's a it's an outlet. It's clearly an outlet. It's a place. Oh true. yeah,
1: I mean, it's like I had I had a plaintiff's attorney notice my deposition the other day because I signed a verification while I was waiting for my client's verification, so I just you know affirmed that it was true. Mm-hmm. They sent a notice for my deposition. I said to my partner. Please, I need an outlet for some of this aggression. Let me give this deposition. Because it was such a ludicrous request. You know, it was like, I'm looking for an outlet. But for me, practicing is an outlet for my energy.
0: So the deposition is, it's kind of a mini, you're just, you're um, going after a witness. So I usually defend depositions. Oh, you defend it. Because I'm on the defense
1: side. So I prepare all the witnesses. Okay. So my strategy is usually I, I have one to two sessions with them depending on how bad of a witness they're going to be mm-hmm. and a lot of times i've started doing this recently where i will do a mock deposition with them it's a very unnatural process for someone especially in the healthcare industry they're used to helping people and in the right. deposition if you're giving the deposition you don't want to help anybody right. you want them to do the work but that's very unnatural for them so it's getting them ready to do a deposition by they've got to know everything backwards forwards inside out and then their care, other people's care, everybody's care, and then they got to know how to answer a question in a deposition yeah. setting. And that's a whole different animal. Yeah,
0: it is. That's, that's an artwork right it. there. That's and a very unique piece of art.
1: And if you get someone that's really good at asking those questions, it can change an entire case. Right. You know? Oh, so, totally. So, I mean, the, the the art of cross-examination.
0: Is that where a case is won?
1: In typically? a deposition?
0: No, or no, even just cross-examination in a, in a trial.
1: It can be. Mm-hmm. It can be. I mean, because you can
0: discredit a witness, you can make them seem unsure.
1: You can make them seem hostile. unsure. You know, credibility becomes an issue. It depends. You have got to analyze your case to determine: is this a credibility case? Right. Is right, this right, a right. medical records case? Is this a causation case? You know, and you're going to rely on different aspects of your trial. So, if it's a credibility case, as from the defense perspective, your witnesses better be rock solid. They better make eye contact with the jury. They better come across as that jury's grandmother, you know, favorite neighbor, that kind of person. Mm-hmm. If it's a causation case, you want it to be about the experts. So you got to have an expert that you can trust that's going to know where you're going, like you didn't when you testified. Mm-hmm. And if it's a damages case, you you got to have another expert to poke holes in the damages aspect of the case. So when you're putting a case together at discovery phase... You kind of have to anticipate at trial what's this case is going to look like. Interesting. So what evidence is going to come in at trial? Because depositions, discovery is a different standard.
0: Okay.
1: Anything that's reasonably calculated to lead the discovery of admissible evidence. So basically anything. That's almost everything. Right. Comes in at discovery. At trial, what's relevant? Mm-hmm. And so that. Can be anything, and then much more can, narrow, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we use motions and limiting, which is a pretrial motion on evidence. We use that a lot to limit things down. Mm-hmm. If you can knock out their most helpful evidence, you can change the case.
0: Yeah, oh, that's incredible.
1: And it's, it's like the chess game. It's
0: a che- game of chess. It's the best. Yeah, it's a game of chess. Clearly, uh, it's it's really cool. Do you go? Is is the plaintiff side? Are they always two chairs?
1: Well, we tried a case in February where they had like five or six attorneys. Wow. Yeah. And it, I, I don't think it played very well. I think they looked really disorganized. There was a lot of note passing.
0: A lot of clutter, yeah. Yeah,
1: they, they just like broke it up, different mm-hmm. people to different witnesses, and the jury didn't like it.
0: No, it doesn't play well. Yes. I assume you guys won that case.
1: We settled right before our case started oh, okay. for like one third of what they wanted pre-litigation, pre- okay. pre-trial. So- I,
0: most 99% of cases will settle, Correct.
1: Yeah, you always yeah. want to cap your exposure. Yeah. So if you can get it to settle for what you what is under what you think your exposure was, that's good, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't just you can't trust the jury.
0: How often are you getting phone calls for new potential clients? Is it every week?
1: Well, we're always targeting what insurance companies are looking for new defense counsel. So in Philadelphia right now, what we have in the medical malpractice arena is a lot of people that are starting to retire. Okay. So we're always, you know, wondering, you know, is someone going to buy that hospital and mm-hmm. they're looking for new counsel? At this point, you want to you make, make a relationship with an insurance company for my work. And you want them to start looking at you as their high exposure litigation attorney. Right. Their defense.
0: Now, can you, what's the reciprocity rules to transfer into Ohio, for example?
1: So I'm told it's very tough. Although I don't know have what you, it is Have you looked into it a little bit? I, I have not looked into okay. it. I've looked into like New York, you need a five-year. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania usually transfers into a lot of states because it's a tough bar. Um,
0: Where, whereas what what do you have to do? You have to just – is there any exam or you just can come in and, and practice? So you,
1: I, it's an application. It's I'm an told. application? And yeah. like it's pretty tough. Like they want to know your entire employment history, just sure. not – just not your. But it's practice. just an
0: application. It's not like you have to sit yeah, down like, again. I
1: don't know. This. I don't know who my supervisor was when I was a counselor at the JCC when I was 14 <laughs> years
0: old. Like, is that what they go yeah. back to? <laughs> I don't like, know if they go back that work, far. But it's, it's like, do you remember here.
1: like who what you were doing right. three weeks ago? That's
0: kind of ridiculous.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you're you an know. officer of the court, so there's an expectation that you're going to be an upstanding citizen. Yeah,
0: but think about what you've gone through to get to where you're at think you've yeah. gone through all but you've gone through all that. Yeah. In a state especially in the state of Pennsylvania where the bar no pun intended is a little bit higher.
1: Yeah.
0: You've gone through those things. So for uh, another state to say, okay, tell me who your counselor was when you were a teenager or whatever they asked. Or whatever. You, yeah, we were exaggerating, those but crazy you know, to go back and to jump back their back hoops. To, you've proven that.
1: Well, what about like California? And we're like I can't you, I don't think you can weave into California.
0: You cannot no what. I don't think what. so. I mm-hmm. don't think there so. There are I some states where the just you have to sit down and take it, huh?
1: But, like, the thought of retaking the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like.
0: But that's the thing about the bar. Like, there's a probably, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a lot of attorneys that are fantastic attorneys that if they probably had to go sit down for a bar exam again, it's going to be close if they don't study for it.
1: No, it's like a whole, it's a game. Right? It's a it's different a thing. It's a whole different ball. It's game. not
0: what it is to, right.
1: Well, think about it. Like, when I took the bar, we're talking like 10 years ago. I hand wrote my bar exam. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did on so computer. I. Yeah. No, 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 I, I didn't trust the it. computer. I, so I, I wasn't even allowed to use a computer. Oh, so in Pennsylvania it was a split thing. You okay. could do half computer, half handwritten. Oh no,
0: we had to handwrite it.
1: I hand wrote because yeah. I was like, I am not trusting a machine. Yeah. Right. No, that's and, a good point. I mean,
0: because what if something fails or it doesn't you, save, you, it doesn't yeah. You don't
1: get a you don't get yeah. to retake it, you gotta wait till gotta the next sit
0: down again another six months later. Right, and so Ugh. that's six
1: months of your life that you lost.
0: Jeez. And you have to study all over again. Well, yeah. People don't – you have to study for that thing, right? It's not going to – you're not going to pass.
1: No. I mean, we took – I took the summer off. I studied with my best friend who actually introduced me to Dave. And we went in the morning to our bar prep class. Then we would go exercise. We'd come back to my parents' house. Mm -hmm. We'd sit out on the back deck in 90-degree heat. We'd eat Mm -hmm. frozen burritos. And I'm not exaggerating. It was a frozen burrito every single day from Costco. If I see those things again, I could (laughs) grow up. And you studied day in, day out. It's like Groundhog day, yeah. Groundhog day. And once July Ten 4th. Ten hours plus a day. Once July 4th hit, you knew that you had four weeks. Yeah. I think it's four to four to five weeks before you had to take a bar.
0: It's an insane process. It's very intense. How very. many days is yours? Two. It's two? I, can't I think ours was two also.
1: Yeah, I think Ohio's two. Two. Delaware's three.
0: Oh, it's sick.
1: it's if so you're like, sick. And I, and I do this willingly?
0: I know. It's so sick. Uh, you mentioned something earlier too about the women's group. What what is that exactly?
1: So, um, in a lot of firms, have women's groups, and it's and it, it takes to on different aspects at different firms. So, some firms they want it to be like a happy hour situation where you gather with other women and you, you know, connect over ordering groceries or doing your dry cleaning or what it's like to work with the male partners. At mm-hmm. other firms, they're seen as you know advocating for um upward mobility in the women attorneys or women staff at large in the firm. Our group um started about four years <clears throat> ago. And we've been going we've been we have a very young <clears throat> group of women in the Philadelphia office. And so it's just getting them confident in marketing clients, getting them confident in interacting with their supervising partners, getting them confident in their practice. And then hopefully it develops into something where, like, we're really advocating for upward mobility in the firm towards equity. Wow. Hopefully. How often
0: are you guys getting together?
1: The women's group? Yeah. You know, it started off as, like, every other month we'd have, like, a luncheon or, like, a happy hour. And now what's great about it is it's created this camaraderie amongst the women at the firm where they'll stop in to someone else's office and say, like, hey, how's your kid doing? I remember you said last week that they weren't feeling so great. And that connectivity for women, for female attorneys, is huge. So I, I'm most proud that it's it's translated into an informal camaraderie among the women in, in the firm.
0: Sure, sure, that's nice because a man can't do the same thing. He's not gonna, even if he does care, it's different. He can't relate to you.
1: You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because we have a lot of men that we in our family, our firm advertises themselves as family friendly. So we have a lot of male attorneys that are like split. They they see their marriages as fifty fifty. Or we have a lot of single dad attorneys. Meaning,
0: meaning half of them have been married that are divorced now. No, no, no I'm
1: sorry. That they, they, they contribute to the marriage and the family fifty fifty. Uh-huh. So a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in the women's group are translating to the men in the firm. Interesting. Because you have single dads. So like if you're if you're a mom, uh, you know I'm a full time working mom. But I I have, like, not necessarily a firm flex arrangement, but I can come and go as I please as long as I meet my hours. Mm -hmm. That translates to some of the men in the group. Sure. If their wives are traveling for work, they need to be able to pick up their kid. So establishing that, you know, especially in an hours environment, you get your hours in, you get your work done. In my opinion, you don't need to punch a clock. Oh, totally. Right? Absolutely. So, but that's not typical in the practice of law, especially – in some older defense firms, like, they expect to see you there for a certain amount of time. Yeah,
0: like, you have to be there.
1: Like, you, you have to be in your seat. You
0: have to just be, yeah.
1: yeah people used to do rounds. Like, really? Yeah, yeah, Saturday check-ins and stuff oh, like that. God. And it's like, who needs That'd that? That to be so
0: brutal. And so you just sit there... And it pretend like you're doing I something. I guess
1: you pretend. But like, the, you know, everyone's rhythm is different. Everyone yeah, works differently. You know, there's so many. It's such
0: an old school mentality. It's such an old it's school so mentality.
1: Sad. But guess who's running a lot of the firms?
0: It's still the old school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, so until, how do you break through this, that? Well, it's probably going to be another 10 years or so and you start seeing the transition and people hope like yourselves so. taking over these firms and changing the culture, changing the mindset, changing mean, the mentality. you know,
1: in today's day and age, you've got the emails, you've got the iPad, you get the remote connectivity, you oh, can yeah. e-file things. things. So like, much. you can e-file anything from anywhere. And the
0: people that are running these firms, half of them don't even understand what the technologies are. Yeah. They don't I mean, understand LinkedIn. They don't understand the social Our stuff. firm's
1: pretty progressive. Our firm's pretty young, but there is that mentality. There's also the mentality yeah. someone else brings in the work. Well, I knew them from Little League 10 years oh, ago, seriously? so I'm going to take 50% of that. Come on. Oh, yeah. Still have that going oh, on. Oh, there's that still going on, and you got to wow. fight against that. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy with our firm and the way that they've handled a lot of things, and I think it's all who you work for. No and advocating doubt. for what you want out no of your doubt. work life situation.
0: So, are we going to give it a shot for number three? Or are you guys. Oh, uh, on the record, huh? <laughs> yeah, the record. On the record. Yeah, a little drum roll.
1: <laughs> um, oh, man. You know, there's people out there that are like, is this her pregnancy announcement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
0: realize that there were so many people anxiously listening. Oh my at this god, point. it's like it's We well, didn't realize this podcast does uh it does stretch across the world. Yes, so. it does.
1: So well, if if we were on the same timeline that I was with my first and second, I'd probably be getting pregnant again this summer mm-hmm. with a third. But that Which was what
0: every couple of years?
1: We were like doing one year off, one year on. Yeah. But it's not happening right now. Yeah. Cause it's just, I'm let's like, just,
0: let's just squash all my, the my,
1: my bucket floweth over. TMZ
0: was trying to, you know, yeah, they were outside. Over, yeah They wanted to know what's going no, on. No, I mean,
1: I think, you know, three's hard. Oh my gosh. Two's so hard. Yeah. One's hard. It's all relative, it's all hard, yeah. but it's just like, you know, how much more space do you have in your life? I mean, I think, we'll, I think we'll want three eventually, but it's going to be a stretch. There's think, no
0: doubt. If you do have a third, you'll probably be on trial. Doing
1: something. I'm probably on like delivering on trial. Well, we tried a case in February, and it was one of the first cases I had tried without without being pregnant. And mm-hmm. I said to we were getting ready, and I said to the guy I was working with, I go, I just want you to know, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's so what's Have that? Have you always be like?
0: been the second chair in all the cases you've tried? Yeah,
1: I mean our cases are so high exposure, yeah. and there's a lot of publicity what's involved the, with what them. What
0: kind of exposure? Um, you said. $8 million.
1: Yeah, we're looking at, like, it, it can be upwards to, like, $15 million. Jeez. Um, and, that's pretty wild. And that's, like, all what you project, right? Because none of them really hit. You either settle or yeah, you get a day. Yeah. Um, but we haven't had one hit. I mean, we had one hit that was, like, a million. But, you know, you're really nervous about a runaway jury, especially in some jurisdictions. What do you mean by runaway? They can just, they get pissed off at one witness and they'll just, the money starts piling up. Communities you know, start coming the punitive in. punitives come in, they they assess corporate negligence very high, or they, you know, take a life care plan that's one to three million and they award three point five. You know, so it adds up fast. And oh yeah. You don't want you don't want your name attached to no. that. So, um it's a lot about, and I think you got to know who's going to play well in front of a jury. Yeah, who's got? And
0: it, it is. It's a it's a big show up there.
1: Yeah, it's all. show. It's all
0: emotions. The people that are making the decision, the, the jurors. Eye contact. It's all emotional.
1: You know how you These aren't posture. Robots. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't. I don't really. I don't really care.
0: What's your relationship like with the other side, the plaintiff's attorneys?
1: It varies. Mm-hmm. It varies. So I try. Um, I'm naturally like a friendly person, but. I can get a little bitchy, right? So like, I'll zing ya, like I'll file a motion against you, but I'll t- I'll call you and tell you it's coming nine times oh, out of ten. Oh, that's so sweet. I like, pick up the phone, and like like be like, listen, we're not gonna be able to reach an agreement. I'm gonna file a motion. We'll duke it out in court. That's my whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. let's duke it out in court. Your case is so great. Let's try it. You know, I want the fight, mm-hmm. and I want it to be legit. Um, I I don't engage in smack talk. You know, I try to be pretty friendly. The people on the other side have kids too. They've got a husband. They've got a wife. They've got a home life. This right. is just a job for most of us, mm-hmm. right? So, like,
0: it's, it's a, a job that's. But there's a lot of things tied to it. You guys, if you care about it like you do, yeah, you treat it like it's your. I mean, this is really your. I life, treat it like so. my
1: baby. But when I go home and I'm with my kids, yeah, it's off. Mm-hmm. So and I don't send I don't send emails to opposing counsel late at night. Mm-hmm. They get time to go out the next morning during business hours.
0: That work-life balance is such a tricky thing, isn't it?
1: Or juggling. I mean, people take offense to the term work-life balance. People are looking for there's no balance, right? Balance, you know, suggests a continuity. There really is no continuity in work-life balance because it's all depending on deadlines and you know what stressors you have at home, what stressors you have at work. But it is difficult. And it's, you know, there's a book out by Laura Vanderkamp who I like a lot of her stuff, and she talks about the mosaics, like if everything was a tile where do you put your tiles? Mm -hmm. So if working out is a tile and, and, you know, working as a tile or spending time with your kids as a tile or sleeping as a tile, how do you fit those pieces in during a full week? And so I take offense to balance because I think it suggests a continuity of, you know, structure that just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in my world. Maybe it exists where
0: where everything's not equal. You, You look at balance as everything being equal
1: yeah and yeah. it's not equal there's yeah. some days where like i don't see my kids right there's some days where i'm with them for most of the day and i work you know a few hours a day if they have a doctor's appointment if they're sick if they need you know some extra time with me i may not work as much that day so there's no balance in that right. day
0: right the work life the juggle is that what you call it i guess yeah. the struggle <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is
1: get you done i don't yeah. know it's just i mean you just gotta do what you gotta do to get through the day yeah and, and you have
0: that, to, and you have to choose when you're checking out to be with the kids and
1: when you're not. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like my, like simple. Sebastian, my first never slept. Yeah. And when we, when we got a sleep consultant, they were like, you know, it's an anxiety issue. And that's really hard to hear as a parent. Your kid's not sleeping because they have anxiety. But I realized that the time I was spending with him, I was spending on my phone, spending on my computer. I was organizing documents because I thought he was like only one, mm-hmm. you know, what is you give him the chicken nuggets? You yeah. talk to him while you're organizing the papers. You know, it wasn't enough for him. So I had to shut all that down. I had to focus on him exclusively. And then interesting. he started yeah. sleeping through the night. Really? Yeah. It was huge. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's no defined schedule. It changes every month in our house. And it's, and it's always, who's chipping in more, David or May? It's mm-hmm. never equal. Mm-hmm.
0: It's never it equal. It all depends on the, the day, the week, or the month. The energy yeah. levels, the sure. stressors. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You guys have a lot on your plate, uh, no doubt. But I I think you probably wouldn't have it any other way. No. You love what you do.
1: Yeah, I love what I do. I'm energized about it. It gives me purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's one of the best things for my marriage to have me working full time. Mm -hmm. Um, You're
0: not a quitter.
1: You're not. I didn't marry a quitter. Right? People are probably listening to this. Like, (laughs) who's this guy? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: didn't marry a
1: quitter. Uh, no, but, I mean, it takes someone to support geez. you like that, right? You it's, have
0: to. You have Sometimes you just need that. Like, need like, that I'm gonna put, the, yeah, I'm going to put you right back into your place. Enough well, of he the does bullshit. It often. Enough of the bullshit. Like, Wait, like, okay, you've been listening to too many stories from your colleagues today. Right. You've been listen, watching too much reality TV. Like, Get well, off your Instagram. Like, here's the real shit. Here's the real shit. When yeah. I was
1: studying for the bar, I said to him, I think I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know what? You're right. You yeah. are going to fail. And I was like, what? And he goes, if you think that way, then you're going to fail. This, and this just, guy's a fucking pro. <laughs> Maybe you should this have him on the front Motivational speaker I slash mean. husband.
0: <laughs> Where do uh, people reach you? Uh, online website.
1: So I our website this. is burnsweight.com. And um, my information's on there, and Frankel. And uh, they can reach out by phone or email. Perfect. Snail mail. Perfect,
0: yeah. Fan mail. Fan you mail. take it all, right?
1: other (laughs) other women
0: other women that are going through the same stuff or trying to juggle that work the work-life juggle yeah so
1: i wrote an article for the legal intelligence here which Mm -hmm. is our philadelphia legal publication a couple years ago about advocating for your ideal work-life balance and that's led to a couple speaking engagements and so you know it's it's all about it's all about letting go of the perfection and, and finding your specific balance and i'm and i'm more than happy to help any woman find or man for that matter. Find that balance given the pressure, the external pressures in the practice.
0: That's beautiful. Hey, uh, listen, continued success to you. Thank you. As always.
1: Thank you for having we me. can't wait
0: to watch you continue to flourish. Maybe you'll be on like one of those court TVs. Oh, doing God, a, that I hope not. trial. And- <laughs> I hope not. That, uh, means, that
1: means things aren't going as well as I'd uh- <laughs> like <this> to be.
0: <laughs> we will undoubtedly see you in uh, the A group eventually. Hopefully. Equity group. Hopefully. Moving up the ranks. And you can go by Ann Schmidt-Frankel or Ann Frankel.
1: So I started out going Ann Schmidt-Frankel because I like really didn't want to let go of That's that That's what Schmidt. I saw on the website, right? Yeah. yeah. But now it's just so much to say. It's too much. Yeah. I got so, other Ann things Frankel. to say. Ann there Frankel. there
0: she is, folks. A.F. Ann Frankel. Thank you. Check her out. Ann Frankel. And the uh, name of the firm is... Burns. Burns White. As like
1: fire. Burns White. White.
0: Burns White. Lack of color. Thanks so much for coming up.
1: Thank you, Nathan. Thanks.